Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, in New York City, gearing up for the World Series of Poker, starting very, very soon at the end of this month, the first event is September the 30th. So it's just the uh, countdown is going on. I'm trying to distract myself from the bad news that I received this week that I lost a friend, uh, a mentor of sorts, Norm McDonald. Many of you know about my relationship with Norm. He was a comedian that I had a tremendous amount of respect for and got to work with several times, most notably at the PCA, the very last PCA in the Bahamas, the Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure, if you didn't know. Uh, we did a comedy show there. Joe Stapleton, Ben Ludlow, uh, Norm McDonald, and myself, we all shared the stage. And uh, that was a blast. And one of the most memorable experiences of my entire career, partly because it was a chance for me to bring together the two things that I love the most. A comedy show at a poker tournament. What could be better for me? Uh, but yeah, Norm was a, a really avid poker player himself. Uh, he enjoyed a lot of different forms of gambling. He was a big sports better. Uh, he just, he really liked to try his luck. Uh, he was a legend, but he, t- he treated all of us other comedians, us mortal <laughs> comedians as equals. And that was something that uh, as I've been speaking with a lot of my comedy friends in the last few days, kind of mourning his death and lamenting the loss, uh, that's a theme that keeps coming up. If you talk to a comedian that knew Norm, and that comedian is nowhere near as famous as Norm, it didn't really much matter because Norm just treated everybody as equals. And I'm just going to miss him a lot. So I'm just trying to throw myself into getting ready for the WSOP and studying uh, various videos on TournamentPokerEdge.com, which if you haven't heard, you can now get a discount on Tournament Poker Edge by using the promo code PODCAST, use all caps, PODCAST, and you will receive $10 off of your first month of membership. So you should do that. I've been studying some videos by my personal favorite coach, Andrew Brokus which always get the juices flowing. I really like Andrew and his teaching style and the way he explains things and causes the viewer to use a more active form of listening. So you're not just watching somebody else play in a passive way, but rather he likes to ask questions and get you thinking about what would you do here and why. Because really understanding the why, to me, is how you get better at the game. And you can benefit from... Andrew's amazing knowledge of the game as well as his very clear, articulate teaching style by visiting tournamentpokeredge.com and using the promo code PODCAST. Uh, Something else that has been helping me distract myself from the loss of my friend and the bad news there this week is I actually had an opportunity from a podcast listener. Uh, His name is Nick. I'm not sure if he would want me to give Uh, his last name or the company where he works. So Nick emailed me and said, Hey Clayton, I'm a podcast listener and I work for an insurance company trying to put together 
a, a session, a team building session uh, where we can talk about poker and teach my employees what you know about poker and how it can relate to our business, which is insurance. And then right away, I was intrigued by the idea. Like, yeah, I never really thought about teaching poker skills and, and poker ideas to business people for the purposes of them improving at their jobs. But yeah, we talked a little bit and then this actually ended up happening this past week. I went to their offices and I did a little how to play poker, <laughs> how to play tournament poker seminar. And then we had a poker tournament. Now, during the seminar part, it was mostly me teaching the rules of the game. But along with that, we talked about different concepts that are very important in the game of poker that also apply to his field of insurance. Now, some of the really obvious ones are risk management process and not outcomes, right? Like we don't want to be too results oriented in poker and also in the insurance industry, mostly you're betting that something bad won't happen. So you don't have to pay a claim. But uh, when that does happen, of course, you may have still made a good decision to write that particular policy. But there's even time to also get into some more subtle things as well. Overall, it was an amazing experience for me. Uh, the poker tournament went really well. They were playing for, it was basically like a charity, a very friendly vibe in the room. It was more like a team building exercise, but first prize was a hundred dollar gift card to Applebee's. So that was very exciting for all the players. I brought in a couple of dealer friends of mine, a couple of professional poker dealers. We had cards and, and chips and everything. It was, it was really fun. Uh, but what really made it for me was just seeing the looks on people's faces as they're waiting for a certain card and then it comes and how excited they would get or just you know the opposite the disappointment when the card that you really need doesn't appear or the good hand that you had ends up losing on the river and just kind of getting back to basics with the, just the the basic human emotions that are at the core of why we love this game so much in the first place. Yes, it's about decisions. Yes, it's about statistics, probability, mathematics. Yes, it's about psychology and everything else. But what really makes this game so great is that it's really fun to see what happens. So yeah, it was a great experience. I got to be the tournament director and that was a great time. And you know, we just definitely had a lot of laughs with it and something that I would like to do again. So if you or someone you know has a company uh, I can get probably a reference from <laughs> this podcast listener. Yeah, hit me up on Twitter at Clayton Comic. My DMs are open and I'd love to hear from you about that. But yeah, it was a nice distraction from the bad news. I've also been doing a ton of stand-up. The comedy clubs in New York City are open. New York State is something like 82% vaccinated right now. And here in the city, we have uh, basically business as usual for the comedy clubs with one very notable exception, which is the vaccination rule. You cannot enter a restaurant, except I think they do allow you to come and do takeout. But if you want to sit in a restaurant or a bar or a theater or really any indoor venue in New York, a, a barbershop, any place like that, you must show proof of vaccination. And very similarly, that's what's going to be happening next month in Las Vegas when you arrive for the World Series of Poker. You must show proof of vaccination. 
Now, along with that news, obviously, Poker Twitter went absolutely berserk. Uh, some people are 100% in favor of this. Some people are pretty neutral, like, you know, take it or leave it. If you want to play, you don't want to have to play, whatever. It's just the World Series. And, of course, some people are absolutely against this and feel like it is some sort of attack on personal freedom and everything that it is to be an American citizen. Most notably, the reigning back-to-back-to-back GPI Player of the Year, Alex Foxen, who has already told everyone via Twitter, I'm proudly boycotting this assault on logic and liberty and will be disappointed if any of those who feel the same way find the easy way around this and continue to play This will go down as the biggest mistake the WSOP has ever made. Wow. I mean, that is quite a quote from Alex Foxen. I guess we're not going to have a back-to-back-to-back-to-back GPI player of the year. I mean, look, if Alex and Kristen don't end up at any of my tables this fall, that is not going to be a problem. For me, I mean, obviously, they are both incredibly strong poker players, maybe two of the best in the whole world. So I'm happy that they have chosen to abstain from the World Series of Poker. I wonder what the numbers will be like. I mean, my guess would be that the numbers will be down a bit from 2019. But on the other hand, for every player that is deciding not to play because of the vaccination policy, there might be another one who says, well, I wasn't really comfortable, you know, being immunocompromised or whatever else. But if everybody's going to be vaccinated and with the numbers for vaccinated people being what they are, which if you haven't seen are generally extremely strong measured by mortality rates, unvaccinated versus vaccinated. uh, So they might be more inclined to play and worry about it less. I mean, my thing is I don't really get sick very often, knock on wood as I say that, but I have a very strong immune system already. I'm in relatively good shape for a man in his 40s. And I've always been kind of lucky in terms of not getting sick. You know, I think I had like chicken pox when I was like 11 or something. Um, But otherwise, I can't really remember a time in my life when I actually felt sick. Like I've never missed a comedy show, perfect attendance in school. So I'm not a person that contracts illnesses. I play in the World Series of Poker every single year, as you guys know. One year there was a Legionnaire's disease going around in the Rio. Um, There's always some kind of flu or something that goes around as we all touch the same cards, chips, tables, chairs, you know, day after day. It's just natural that many people, some of them are going to have some kind of germs. It's partly my immunity. It's also the fact that I am a very avid hand washer and always have been even before the pandemic. So the first thing I would do on pretty much every break between levels at the WSOP is go wash my hands very thoroughly. I can remember a couple of years ago, actually, I, I scrubbed my hands like I'm about to do surgery. I figure if I do that every two hours, I'll, I'll be safe, right? Uh, so maybe 2018, 2019, this older man, kind of a, a, maybe like an East Coast guy, I'm guessing like Philadelphia, just the way he talks, like kind of like a tough guy. Older guy, maybe in his early 60s, late 50s, looks like maybe he has a motorcycle, And I'm scrubbing my hands and he's like, do you think you got them clean enough? And I was like, don't you think we all should be (laughs) trying to get our hands clean? Another reason why I don't get sick that often. 
Maybe just because I, I wash my hands a lot. I'm not really sure. I, I think mostly it's luck and genetics and stuff like that. And I, I realize that some people aren't so lucky. Look, let me just say this. If you decide that you don't want to attend the World Series of Poker because you don't want to get vaccinated and you are mad at the World Series of Poker for making this decision, I, I can't disagree with you. But I'm looking forward to sitting at the Rio without a mask on and hopefully winning my first bracelet. All right, time for some strategy now. And our sponsor is one of my favorite hot new companies that's on the market, Liquid Death. You may have seen in a 7-Eleven or Whole Foods these cool cans with the great artwork on them. It looks like maybe some kind of badass energy drink. But no, inside that can is nothing but 100% pure mountain spring water. It's absolutely clean, absolutely delicious water just instead of a plastic bottle it's in a can now why the heck does this matter well you probably think that every time you throw away a plastic bottle that it gets recycled but that's not the case in fact less than 10 percent of all recycled plastic bottles actually end up anywhere other than in the landfill there's no profit motive no one is making money recycling plastic bottles aluminum is infinitely recyclable it's reusable and reusable and reusable ad infinitum and it's profitable to do so there are several publicly traded companies that are doing something good for the environment recycling our aluminum and also doing something good for their shareholders making money by doing so so it's a win-win and this is america after all follow the money and liquid death is the company that is leading the charge in the aluminum revolution plus it's cool they have cool cans they have cool merchandise and you can get free shipping on all their merchandise as well as on any order of at least two cases of their absolutely delicious 100 percent pure mountain spring water visit liquiddeath.com okay so this hand comes from the same tournament as the two hands that we discussed last week in our strategy segment this is the Boski special on America's card room and I've been told by several of you that Boski is Jeff Boski who is an ACR pro he is I see you are a rook on Twitter uh, he is apparently a well-known twitch streamer and poker crusher he's also a coach and uh, someone that I've never actually met but anyway he seems like a uh, popular poker figure on social media and someone that ACR was probably wise to put on their list of sponsored pros and even give him his own tournament that's named after him. So good for you, Jeff Boski. And I apologize to anyone that was offended that I didn't know what a Boski special was last week, but I've definitely been set straight as far as all of that goes by several of you who notified me on Twitter at Clayton Comic. So this is the Boski special. It's a $11 total cost to enter. It's a $10 buy-in with a $1 entry fee and a $15,000 guarantee. It attracted almost 1,600 players, so the guarantee was met. In this one, this is a tournament they run, I believe, every single day on America's Card Room. Uh, the blinds were 250 and 500 with a 60 ante, 
And we had 30,000, which at the time was good for a top 50 stack with approximately 1,100 players remaining in the tournament. So yeah, we were doing fine. We had 60 big blinds. Our M was right around 25. And we are seated at an eight-handed table in fourth position, holding pocket sixes. So the first three players fold to us. And uh, we do have a couple of big stacks at the table, a couple of guys with uh, between 20 and 25,000. Um, there is one very short stack with only 8,000. Everybody else is kind of right around the average, which at the time was about 18,000. So uh, we decide to open pocket sixes. I think this is not very controversial. You can pretty much play any pair at most tables, most eight-handed tables from fourth position after three folds. So we open to 1,200, and then a couple more folds, and then the button who is a very wild, aggressive player, and we have over 300 hands of data on him. He is a big three-better, so he's running 30, so 30% VPIP with 22% pre-flop raise and 15% three-bet and 4.5 post-flop aggression. So those numbers are indicative of a very, very overly aggressive and certainly too loose type of player. But he does play quite a few tournaments, and we've seen him before. He's got about 25,000 chips, and he puts in 3,000 of them, and then the action folds back to us. Now, this to me is an inflection point. Uh, We have pocket sixes. We also have a very comfortable stack in what's a pretty sweet tournament as far as I can tell. And we have an opponent that always three bets and now here he is three betting. Against a more standard uh, set of data, we wouldn't even consider wanting to try to get all in with 60 big blinds and a pretty good stack when all we have is such a modest hand as pocket sixes. But against a player that is so prone to three betting, and I'm guessing that his three bet numbers are probably even higher when he is on the button as he is in this hand, I think it is reasonable to consider you know, four betting, possibly just shoving here and taking down this what's now a pretty sizable pot. I mean, now that he has three bet, just shoving and winning increases our stack. I mean, if he doesn't call, if we take it down, we would increase our stack by 20% because there's roughly 6K in there already. So it is definitely worth considering. Although I considered it, I mean, I didn't really want to risk my comfortable stack and my very playable stack. I like having an M of 25. And I thought that even though I would end up being out of position, I decided to call instead. Uh, The plan is to hang on pretty tightly to these sixes post-flop as this player obviously loves to bluff. So I decided to go ahead and just call. But yeah, if you want to shove here against this guy, that's okay with me. I don't think I can get behind folding against a player who is so liberal with his 
pre-flop three betting strategy. And when you are getting such a good price, I mean, it only costs another 1800 to go ahead and call. So let's just do that and see what happens. So we call, and now with about 7200 in the pot and the effective stack of 22K, so right around that SPR of three, now, of course, we have 27K, but the effective stack belongs to the button, our opponent in this hand. And the flop comes Jack of Hearts, 10 of Spades, 4 of Diamonds, Hero holding the 6 of Diamonds, 6 of Hearts. So 10, Jack 10, 4, Rainbow. And we are always going to check here, I think. We're never going to want to lead heads up into the 3 better. Go ahead and let him keep the lead in the hand regardless of what we have so i check and our opponent bets 2300 into the 7200 pot roughly one third a little bit less now many of you might be surprised to learn that most solvers will tell you to call pretty regularly in this situation two over cards to my pair it's just too exploitable I mean, you know, as Antonio Esfandiari always says, it is hard to make a pair. And so even though we don't like seeing the jack 10 above our sixes, if you always fold in this situation, then you're actually probably better off in the long run just folding the sixes pre-flop because you are very seldom going to flop a set or a flop that you really like with pocket sixes. So that means we have to hang on a little bit in uncomfortable situations like this one. So here we decide to call, and of course, we're going to reevaluate on the turn. But remember, we need to play against our opponent's strategy. This is an opponent who is going to be continuation betting close to 100% of the time in order to have such a high post-flop aggression factor. Over, over 300 hands, he's got a PFA over four. So that's really high. I mean, normal professional level would be right around two. So he is betting after the flop, betting or raising after the flop rather than checking or calling twice as often as a typical professional, all the while playing about 50% more hands on top. So this guy is involved and he likes to get after it. So for that reason, I don't think it's time to let go of the sixes just yet. Now, I actually thought that given this player's profile and everything that we know about him, it might actually even make sense to check raise with this pair below second pair on this flop. That might sound crazy, but if he's really c-betting 100% of the time, then he will often be folding to a check raise. I mean, yeah, of course he has king, queen, any 10, any jack, and other hands that will probably hang on at least for a little while if we check raise this flop. But because his pre-flop three betting range is so wide, he's also going to have plenty of suited aces that completely whiff this flop. Remember, it's a rainbow board, so that means he does not have a flush draw. And the only draws available are really queen nine, king queen, and nine eight, excluding gut shots. So if he doesn't have one of those hands, he's probably not going to stand up to very much pressure here if we check raise this flop. And what's great about that is it allows us to protect our hand because if we think about it, regardless 
of what this player is holding. He almost certainly has a substantial amount of equity versus our lowly pair of sixes. So there is a lot of value in getting him to fold a hand that is not best right now, especially given the significant size of this pot relative to our stacks. So that is a play that I think would make sense versus a very particular opponent, basically players like this one. Uh, check raising should be at least considered, but I went the more traditional route and just called here. But my main point about this flop is we don't want to be folding. So we go to the turn and it's my favorite turn, a six. So now our board is jack 10, four, six, and hero holding now a set of sixes. Uh, you can lead this card sometimes, but you know, the board is now Badoogie, so there's no flush draw for me to pick up. I don't really know what hand I'm representing if I do bet. And if I do choose to bet, guys, I want to bet big. I have three of a kind. So what am I representing? Uh, I don't know. What bluffs do I have in my range if I suddenly fire off on this turn and bet big? Like I might bet small uh, as a blocking bet or uh, just trying to set the price if I were drawing with a hand like, you know, the hands we just mentioned, like 9-8 or king-queen. But then if those are my bluffs or semi-bluffs, then my value does not balance that out because if I'm going to lead this card, I'm going to want to bet a lot of chips, like enough to try to get all in on the river. And I wouldn't want to do that with my bluffs in this spot. So I decided to just check again. I did not want to tell a story that doesn't make sense. I said he's wild and loose. I did not say he's stupid. The guy plays a lot of poker and I think that he could probably see through a strategy that only involves betting small when you're bluffing and big when you're not. Therefore, I decided to check. And to my delight, our opponent bets again. Very small. At this point, the pot is 12,800 and the effective stack right around 19,000. And our opponent only bets 3,200 into 12,8, which is exactly one quarter of the pot. So that's a strange bet for him to make. I feel like a lot of his range here is going to be one pair type of hands, maybe something like King 10 or maybe a weak Jack. I mean, this guy could have easily three bet us pre-flop with a Jack 8 suited, Jack 9 suited, hands like that. And they might not want to go anywhere, but they also aren't really sure where they stand. So they just want to bet again. In case I'm drawing, I don't know what the logic behind betting so small here on the turn could possibly be, but I decided to do a very unorthodox play here, and I'm not even sure if I like what I did, but I just went all in. I mean, the fact that somebody has raised before the flop and now bet twice, there's some non-zero chance that he has an actual hand, something like pocket queens, pocket kings, pocket aces. This could be the type of hand that's trying to milk me. Um, you know, in the best case scenario, he has jack 10 and he just wants to make sure he gets action. There's not that much to worry about on this board if he has a strong hand. And so he may just be trying to milk us a little bit with this tiny bet on the turn. But little does he know we have three of a kind and it's almost definitely good. So we decide to shove all in. So the bet on the turn was 3,200. So 
I put him all in for 19,000. Well, I shouldn't say I put him all in, but I bet that amount, right? So my all in represents his whole stack of 19,000. And I remember being surprised at how quickly he maybe thought for like two or three seconds and then called with ace queen, just uh, two overs and a gut shot. So, okay. Uh, So he's all in and he did not hit his miracle king on the end. And we won this huge pot and took the chip lead. Uh, We went on to final table this tournament, as I mentioned last week. I believe we finished in fifth place. Um, But yeah, this turn shove, I guess, must have just confused him. I'm not sure. Maybe he put me on some sort of draw, but there aren't that many draws available. It doesn't really make that much sense. Even if he's sure he has 10 outs, he's not really priced in to call another 16,000 when there's only 34,000 total in the pot and just one card to come. So that was a strange play by our opponent in this hand, and it was a very memorable moment in the Boski special. So that'll do it for this episode. I know it's a bit short. You know, as you can probably hear, my voice is not 100% back, and I have two shows tonight. Uh, and all this weekend, I'm at West Side Comedy Club in New York, New York. So if anybody happens to be in Manhattan this weekend, Hit me up on Twitter and I'll hook you up with some tickets to come on out and laugh. For everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening.
Nobody Can't read my Can't read my No, she can't read them My poker 